Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name and price tool from Progressive. Oh, man. That's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry. I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus. The Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price Tool. Only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Fantasy Golf Degenerates Podcast. <laughs> What is going on, D-Gen Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Degenerates podcast this week for the Open Championship. As usual, the pod is sponsored by Draft.com. Join Draft right now using promo code DGEN and get a free $3 ticket for attorney of your choice after you make a minimum deposit of $10. If you crush your season-long NFL league with a snake draft, this site is for you. Plenty of big things coming up for Draft.com with the NFL season coming up, uh, the, the huge million-dollar first prize best ball contest, the FedEx Cup playoff um, tournaments that they got where they're doing a tournament where you pick six golfers at the or five golfers at the beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs, and those are your golfers for the whole run. Uh, really cool stuff they're doing. So join Draft.com using promo code DGEN. Uh, as usual, I am here with my partner in crime, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you doing this week? I'm doing well, Kenny. I'm excited to be back. This is uh, this is it, man. This is what we've all been waiting for, the final major of the season. Uh, excited that they you know bumped it around. We get the Open, so kicked off with the Masters at the start of the year, which is in between my favorites between this and the Masters is the Open. So uh, excited here. I'm, I'm excited to stay up late at nights and truly excited for the special guests that we have on this week. Yes, our guest today, as most of you have found out on Twitter, is Mr. Ben Coley, who writes for the Sporting Life across the pond. One of the best golf punters out there. We're super excited to have him on. Ben, how you doing, man? Hi, Jen. Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Uh, nice to speak to you. Been looking forward to this. 
yeah, uh, we we we've definitely been looking Likewise. forward to. It. I know, I know there was a lot of competition to get you on. We're glad that we were able to snag you on this week. We're really excited about it. If you don't know Ben, uh, primarily does does a lot of work for the PGA uh, for the side of betting uh, for his article on the sporting life, but he does have extreme knowledge when it comes to. Uh, the, the European tour, and we're going to need that knowledge from him uh, this week with all these players. If you don't play the European tour, DFS, uh, you probably don't know some of these players. So Ben's going to help us go over that. But not only that, he's going to help us go over every single, uh, you know, uh, my mind just went blank. It's four o'clock in the afternoon, and I haven't done a pod while the sun's up in forever. People know me as the vampire of DFS, and that's true. It's weird doing the pod when the sun's up, so my brain's probably not working as well as usual. But he's going to go different tiers. He's going to do the whole DraftKings thing. Uh, it's going to be a great show. Uh, but let's start off with talking a little bit about Ben. Ben, uh, how did you get your start uh, in this type of uh, industry? And, 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 and talk about your, your article and who you write for and all that good stuff. Sure. Yeah, I guess um, like most people who do a job that they want to do, there's quite a lot of luck involved. Um, but I um, I moved to the north of England about 10 years ago now uh, to work on a race, horse racing radio station. And that was in the same office as a guy called Dave Tyndall, who I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know. Mm-hmm. He's a great follower. Yeah, he's, he's one of the best golf writers, golf betting writers uh, in the UK. One of the sort of real forerunners as people started to write about golf on the internet over here he was kind of at the top of the tree and I used to read his work and I was very excited to uh to get to know him and he was kind enough to to let me show what I could do and and from there I I eventually actually took over writing from him when he his career took him elsewhere and uh and I've refused to leave the chair so uh, (laughs) I'm still here still writing about it uh, I, one thing I did notice is your writing style is unbelievable. Like, you know, like when I compare my writing to you, I feel like I'm a second grade writing level. Uh, the way you write, did you have like a, did you have like a journalistic type of, uh, you know, uh, education or is it just something you picked up along the way? Uh, that's really kind of you. Um, I am getting there. You know, I think everybody who writes or at least everybody who sees themselves as a writer um, I think one of the characteristics we all share is that we all think we're not very good and we all know someone who's better. And I, I've worked with a couple of guys here in my office who just blow my mind with what they write. And, and I guess that's how I look to improve. I, I like to read a lot and uh, pick up on little things other people do and then obviously try and find your own voice. And it, it's taken a long time. I think if I went back and read some of the stuff I read, I wrote five, ten years ago, I'd, I'd probably squirm a little bit. And hopefully in five years' time, I look back on what I write now and think, I've got a lot better. Um, but I, the main thing is I just love to write. Um, and I, I work for a website who give me the freedom to write what I like. Um, they don't often tell me I need to scale back. They don't mind if, I, if I'm if i sometimes controversial or whatever. Like, for instance, the profiles piece I do, sometimes I poke fun at some golfers and they're cool with that, whereas you know some other people might not have that license. So a combination of things, but mainly, I guess, yeah, interest in writing. Um, my dad's a bit of a writer. He's, he's a very... Um, well-spoken guy and i just try and be like him i guess that sounds great man you're right I, your, your article is definitely one of the ones that i read every single week and it's always so well composed and i feel sort of <laughs> i feel like uh, uh my writing doesn't even compare to that right at this moment in time so it, it, you do a really really great job with that um let's ask you a couple questions about your betting process like and if you guys don't know ben is one of the best punters out there i mean he he has great picks every single week uh, uh i know this year has probably not been a, the best but when it comes to golf petting betting uh it's an impossible sport to to bet on almost you know and, and how, how do you go about the process uh 
that you've gone through when you come to picking your bets each week? I mean, how much do you rely on the course, form, all that good stuff, stats, when it comes down to it? Yeah, I guess I'd put myself in the category of kind of like a feel punter. Um, I I admire anyone who has a full grip on stats, but as you guys found out when you tried to get me to turn my microphone up at the before we came uh, on on to record, I'm not very technically minded. I, I can't. I'm not very good with spreadsheets and all the stuff that like data golf do. I'm really fascinated by it, and I read it and I try and learn from it. But for me, I feel like I get my edge by watching a lot of golf, reading about golf, tweeting about golf, obviously. And just trying to understand players, their mindsets, how they perform in certain situations, trying to piece things together a bit. You know, like I, I, I like doing puzzles and Sudoku puzzles and stuff like that. And it's the same logic. Like you're trying to find little threads that lead you to the next clue. And I really like that as a challenge. I think it's what separates golf betting from certain other sports where maybe like boxing, you've got player, yeah, boxer A versus boxer B. In golf, there are so many factors that I don't think anyone could say this factor or that factor is more or less significant. It's about putting them all in and being able to process that. And as you said, it's it's imperfect. It's sometimes impossibly frustrating. It certainly has been uh, this year, but it's a, it's a great challenge. And what I really like about it is that every Monday you start again and you've got a clean slate, you've got 156 players, and you might know them, but you need to get to know them again. Um, so I, I guess that's why I like it. And in terms of what I use, it, it really is a bit of everything. But the main thing for me is trying to find that 1% or 2%, the player psychology or the fact that they maybe not played this course well before, but it, but it should suit them, and, and things like that, that maybe the odds makers don't get time to consider because the biggest advantage you have as a punter is that you can just focus in on one tournament or one player, whereas they've got to cover maybe over here, you know, they're what for betting on every tour in the world and they haven't got the same time. So I think that's where you get your edge. So like when it comes down to your, 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 the way you make your bets, I mean, do you, do you, how, how, how much do you value or how much do you value value? Uh, you know, I mean like the, do the longer odds tempt you more or, do you usually go with the shorter odds? I mean, like, how do you disperse your different picks on a week-in, week-out basis? Yeah, um, I guess uh, broadly, I would have I would cover a lot of bases in a normal sort of staking plan week to week. I I don't shy away from the front of the betting, but I would probably put less favourites forward than than a lot of people who do the same job. Um, but obviously, over here in the UK, it, it's probably a little different. We have each way betting, and when you come around to a major championship in particular, if you have an each way bet this week with certain bookmakers, you're going to get paid out all the way down to eighth, ninth, even tenth place. And I think that shifts the dynamic a little bit because I'll give you one example. Tommy Fleet was a player I really liked this week. But I know deep down, I know that he should not be shorter odds than Justin Thomas and Patrick Cantlay, which he is. But because I know I might get paid out if he's eighth or ninth, that kind of shifts that dynamic and makes me worry less about winning and more about finding the guys who will play well. So that that changes my thinking around majors. But week to week, you're absolutely right to to say that value word because it has to be at the forefront of your mind I, if ever i see a player who i i think is fundamentally too short either to win or place they just have to go off the list because long term um you're going to lose money that way now we don't have each way betting in the united states but i feel like it's going to come soon can you give the listeners the broad strokes of what each way betting really is Sure. So your bet is uh, two parts. So if you had $5 each way, for example, over there, it would cost you $10. Uh, $5 goes on the win. So if they're at 20 to 1, you get $105 if that player were to were to win the tournament. I think that's plus 2,000 in, in, in American odds. Um, but the other part of your bet goes on the place. So 
whether it's five, six, seven, you get paid out at a fraction of the odds, usually a fifth of the odds. So 20 to one would be 20 over five, which is four to one. Uh, and you would get paid out on that if they finish second, third, fourth, fifth or six. And of course, if they win, you get both. So um, yeah, in a, in a golf tournament, obviously with so many potential contenders, it's a, it's a nice way of having that insurance when it comes to Sunday and, and you've got a guy in the lead because uh, as we know, actually going ahead and winning the tournament um, is very, very difficult. And, and most players in a golf tournament obviously are not the winner. So um, yeah, it, it really helps and, and it, it will be a key factor in people's decision-making over here this week, certainly. Ben, Ben, really quick, actually, I just want to go in on the E-Trades real quick because me being Canadian, um, a lot of my friends don't love that, 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 that I have the access and they do not because of how many times they come up just short, as you mentioned, and it can happen very easily where a guy fits the, the course, comes in second, and friends like Kenny of mine do not get paid out on that bet, whereas I'm scooping up my one-fourth or one-fifth. Um, two quick questions on it. One is more of the, the joke side of things, but people want to know, how, how do you go about versing the each way. So if you say $5 each way, is that $10 total? Or is it the $10 each way that insinuates splitting it five and five, which is the right pronunciation? Yeah, it would be the former. So five each way equals 10 total. Um, yeah. Per- perfect. Okay. I always want to know that because some buddies had asked. And then the other question is when you formulate your card for an event, let's just use the majors as an example, one here that we have, uh, do you have any sort of draw in the sand line where you say, okay, I'm I'm only going to each way them at 50 to one or worse, or, or like, how, how do you go about your each ways or will you each way a guy at 10 to one even you don't care? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, generally speaking from sort of 12 to one down, I wouldn't, but it would depend on how many players that I was planning to back that week. So if there's only, if I, if I look at a tournament, let's say the tour championship comes around, I've got 30 players over here. We probably still get paid down to five places and maybe I'm just convinced that Dustin Johnson is going to win that week or that he's the, the man to beat. And maybe he's six to one. I would happily back him each way, knowing that I'm only going to make a small amount if he were to finish second, third, fourth or fifth, but I'm not going to lose money. Um, and I, I guess, but the, the problem would be if you're then, if you're backing DJ, but you've got four or five other guys as well, all of a sudden you're at a point where if DJ finishes third and your other guys finish outside the top 10, then you're going to lose. So I guess the, the key thing for me is broadly speaking to make sure that if one of my four five, maybe six guys that I'm betting on, on any given week does finish in the, in the places that I'm at least breaking even, because I think that. You, you need to feel like you're getting your money back at least for a good week's work. Um, can I, I just want to say w- one more thing on each way, actually. I think the key thing that it changes for, for me over here, and I guess it's why in my articles I'm talking about players sometimes that wouldn't always crop up on e- even a podcast like yours or, or in someone's preview in the States, is that when you've got six or seven or eight or nine or even ten places, you don't have to dwell on the idea of the, the massively un unexpected result happening like you know like Jim Herman winning the Houston Open or whatever you don't have to really believe that they can win the tournament you just have to think that they might play well um and it just gives you that comfort to go ahead and aim for a massive price 300 500 to one and those players do win sometimes whereas I think if you're betting win only a lot of people will be discouraged from backing those less known players who like this week for instance you're going to find it hard for maybe someone like Andrew Putnam to win the tournament but there's no reason he can't go and finish eight or nine. 
Yeah, I do like Putnam. In, I like I, I like that. I like that I too. I like Putnam in DFS too. Now I'll tell you right now, if any of the the uh, the gambling sites that are starting up in, in the United States are listening to this, I doubt it. But if they are, the first per, the first site to, to offer each way betting, I'm putting all my money in <laughs> right away. I can tell you that right now because I've 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 only hit two outrights this year. Uh, but I you know I've had like I don't know more than a half dozen second or third place finishes from my outrights this season, which is so frustrating. Uh, you know, it's just, it, it's, it's a horrible feeling when you know your golfers played well, uh, but he has not, he, he couldn't able, he couldn't get to the mountaintop and, and win the event. So I'll tell you right now, for, first U.S. site that lets me put, lets me bet each way betting, I'm putting all my money in uh, immediately. I can tell you that right now, because that, that, that literally changes the face of golf betting. Uh, you know, it, 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 I wouldn't say it makes it easier, but it gives you more options to win, uh, which is the tough part when it comes to, to, to betting on golf, because you can go two, three, four, four months without hitting. You know, I mean, that's just how hard uh, this sport is to bet on. And with that each way, it would be so much more friendly uh, for the American betters. And maybe that's why the United States, uh, even these offshore accounts that we can do uh, in the U.S., they, they they don't they don't offer it yet. So the first American side that has it, I'm in. I'll tell you that right now. Now we will have more questions for Ben, especially when it gets getting to the course. But let's do a quick recap uh, of last week's win. Dylan Fratelli, uh, he took down the John Deere Classic. He actually had a, a great final round. You saw Henley with the amazing final round as well, and some of the other guys who were in the lead just sort of fell off when it came down to it. A good event personally for me. Uh, you know, four for four in my cash game cornerstones, even though Zach Johnson made me sweat twice. Uh, but with the MDF and the regular cut, but still four for four, but I lost in cash. I, I was right there on the edge. I uh, didn't get it. So it was a poor week for me. I lost again, uh, back-to-back losing weeks, um, you know, big losing weeks. And, and that hasn't happened to me yet this season so far. So I'm hoping I can jump back in for the open championship. How did you do Tyler last week? Oh, same man. I'm looking for a big bounce back week. The Some of the calls were dead on. Some of them were, uh, quite off like Tway and, and another week where just massive five out of sixes with everybody at like 15 under and then one guy uh, at one point on Sunday morning I was literally matching the 100k lineup missed by one so it's just the way it goes you get the right pieces like Ben just mentioned with with the betting side of it that's why it can so well relate to DFS is that you can have all the right pieces but have it go in all the wrong ways on the last day or something or missed by one and next thing you know you're back to the drawing board but that's why we continue to do it, right? It's a lot of fun. It is. Uh, ben, I know uh, Fratelli could have played in the Scottish Open last week, if I'm not mistaken, but he chose to pick the, the John Deere Classic. I'm pretty sure that was a good uh, idea for him. What did you think of the tournament last week? Yeah, he was really impressive. Actually, I, I, I wrote about him in my Scottish Open preview because at the time he was still listed in the field in Scotland. So you're right, he did He did have both options. Um he was really, really good. It was one of those tournaments where, you know, these these tournaments that take place just before a major championship, increasingly, um, they're, they're becoming a little bit random, I guess. We had Sung Kang win uh, the Nelson as well, which was one of those results which was quite hard to predict. And I think Fratelli would have been a little bit hard to predict, but I guess one of my favourite pointers, and I'm sure it's the same for you guys and a lot of your listeners, when someone's long game and their iron play in particular clicks, then they're dangerous and, and his had clicked the week before. So it wasn't a total shock by any means, but I was a little bit surprised with how cool he was on Sunday because although he's won a couple of times in Europe, he's sometimes wobbled and he certainly did. Yeah, he looked, he looked extremely calm uh, when it came down to the, the Sunday and he was just making pars and making birdies and doing his thing and won by a good amount. 
All right, so let's move on to uh, – before we move on to the course description of Royal Port Rush and everything that has to do with the Open, let's talk about GupsCorner.com. So Gups, Gup was nice, and he, he let us have the DGEN25 code back uh, this week. So if you want to join GupsCorner.com, last week he hit Fratelli uh, at 80-1. to The week before he hit Matthew Wolf at 125-1. to Back-to-back uh, outright hits for Mr. Gup. Uh, and all of it was totally transparent on his site. So this is the site that you need to get on, guys. If you haven't gone on yet, this is the week because we're bringing back the, the, the DGEN25 promo code, 25% off a subscription, either monthly or year-long. And the year-long subscription is 365 days from the time you subscribe, and it includes not only the rest of this golf season and most of the next golf season, it also includes the NFL, which Gup and Bucks – and Tyler and all those guys over there do an amazing, amazing job. So you need to get on GupsCorner.com ownership projections, Gups rankings, Gups final thoughts, where he tries to pick the winner, all of his betting cards. It's an amazing uh, lineup generator. Uh, it, it's an amazing site. It's all you need, uh, You mostly all you need to get all your work done. Get that 25% promo code. Use DGEN25 and get that savings on GupsCorner.com. All right, let's move on to this week, and let's talk about the course. The best golfers in the world. Uh, actually, you know what? I forgot the Listener League. We can't forget the Listener League lineup because that's what we do every week, and I totally forgot. So let me bring that up, and let's talk about that real quick before we get into the course. So last week's winner was JCMO Man, uh, who has a monster as his avatar, and he was a monster last week, scoring 589.5 points on DraftKings. His lineup had uh, Ryan Moore, uh, who finished in 18th place, who was 12.5% owned. Kyle Stanley finished in 18th as well, 10.5% owned. Bud Colley, who I liked a lot last week, finished in 18th, uh, 6.5% owned. He had Nate Lashley, which was sort of a uh, an off-the-wall pick, even though his stats and everything lined up really well. He finished in 26th, 4.5% owned. Johnson Wagner. 13% on finishing 37th, and he had Dylan Fratelli, who scored a whopping 140 points last week and was 3.5% owned. Tambo, what did you think of the lineup? Yeah, that, that was the story right there. So uh, huge, huge lineup, 589.5. I know some of the some of the large field tournaments out there had almost 700 points, but still, to put this together with Fratelli solo owned, Bud Colley, a little bit of a mix of course history with Ryan Moore, Johnson Wagner types. Kyle Stanley, we'll probably talk about later, just can't seem to miss greens right now, but not sure about him for this week. But overall, solid lineup. Um, shout out to Sue L2. He had, a, he had the win go away on the last hole uh, and said, hey, boys, can you at least give me a shout out? It's, it's all good, man. You'll, you'll get it next time, but it's the way it goes sometimes. Overall, good job to JC Moman, and we'll see him in the three-man this week. Unless if Ben can hop on, it could be a four-man. Yeah, Ben, do you play DraftKings? I, I've been known to from time to time. Yeah, I've not played in a while, though, I must admit. I, I tend to find that I, I struggle a bit on the PGA. I don't know why that is. I don't think I do enough like ownership analysis, but I've had some good success in Europe. Uh, this this is that. the week for you, Ben, right here. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, your yeah. week. Someone's got to take why, Kenny down. That's why we brought you out. 
Do you wonder where your food comes from? More and more people do. America's corn farmers work hard every day to grow a crop that you can be proud to serve your family. And they're doing it with an eye towards sustainability, caring for water, air, soil, and resources that fuel healthy families and more sustainable products. Take a look to find out how farmers in rural America work to make life better for all of us, from cities to their rural communities. Learn more at ncga.com. NCGA, a commitment to the future. Ever wanted to break out of your cubicle and into a business where you can call the shots? You Break Guy Fix is looking for passionate self-starters interested in a franchise opportunity in the booming electronics repair industry. At You Break Guy Fix, we help reconnect people to the devices that they rely on so that they can get back to what matters most. This is a big responsibility. And from the moment you join our family, our franchisees are provided with the resources and support to bring affordable and convenient electronics repair to your community. Did we mention that with amazing partners like Samsung and Google, you Break iFix franchisees also have access to the highest quality parts and personalized training out there, as well as specialized tools. It's true. And it's also easy to visit youbreakifix.com forward slash franchising and learn more about your big break at your very own You Break iFix. And again, I, I won the three-man once again last week. I'm on a roll here uh, recently. I think I won like five or six in a row. The mess up thing is that lineup didn't even cash in, in, in the double ups because I was like right on the border uh, with like 460 points or something like that. I still didn't it's even so cash, which is, which is crazy. Uh uh, but uh, let's move on to uh, to this week, and let's move on to the course. The best golfers in the world head to Northern Ireland to play the Open Championship from Royal Portrush Golf Club. This is the first time Portrush has hosted an Open Championship since 1951, and the last professional event played here was the 2012 Irish Open. So it's going to be a brand-new course for most of the golfers in the field. There are some golfers with experience here, uh, including Roy McIlroy, who's famously shot 61 here as a 16-year-old, Graham McDowell, who is from the area, and Darren Clark, who is a member of the club. Now, you also have uh, Brooks Kepka's caddy, who is a member here, and Jason Day's caddy, Stevie Williams, uh, lugged the bag for Tiger here on many occasions while prepping for the Opens in the past. Now, Royal Port Rush is a 7,350-yard par 71 with three par fives and four par threes. One of the par fives is shorter and reachable by all, while the other two are going to be a little bit longer. Now, the actual playing yardage of each hole could vary due to the wind. As a classical seaside links course, weather will most likely play a huge factor in the outcome of the event. And for DFS players, waiting until the last minute to fill out your lineups might be a good idea. Uh, I would not make lineups today, Monday, or Tuesday because the weather is going to be a huge factor. We've seen opens in the past where there have been distinctive tee time wave advantages and golfers in the wrong wave had no chance to hoist a claret jump. Um, now, often the first one that reminds me of Usti uh, in 2000, whenever he won, he was just in the right wave. And like the other golfers, the wrong wave that week was just deadly. Now, off the tee, golfers see average size fairways. Unlike most courses in the open rota, Royal Portrush is a bit more lush. And some golfers have said even in bone dry conditions, you don't get the firmness and speed on the fairways like other open courses. Now, this doesn't mean the course is uber soft, but they have had a very rainy June 
So the massive rollout on tee shots, like last year, Carnoustie, dudes are hitting like four iron, like 320 yards, you know, because of the rollout. I don't think we're going to see that this week. Now, this rain will also make the rough very lush and thick. Uh, you know, when I'm looking at pictures of the rough here at the Open Championship, I'm not seeing as much of the wispy, knee-high, you know, longer type rough. There is some there if you miss wildly. But, like, if you miss the fairways, the the rough is not that super tall like we've seen in other Open Championships. But it's going to be very thick and very hard to hit out of. Um, and this is going to make hitting fairways very, very important. Now, Port Rush only, a world Port Rush only has about 60 bunkers, which is much less than we've seen at many of the Open Championships. I think uh, St. Andrews probably has like 130 more bunkers or something like that compared to, to Royal Port Rush. But the bunkers are strategically placed in landing zones off the tee and around the bunkers. Now, even though there are less bunkers, that doesn't mean that playing out of them is going to be easier. Uh, some of the bunkers are very large and very, very deep. Uh, I saw a picture of one bunker where uh, the guy was, the golfer was standing at the bottom of the bunker and the, the, the lip of the bunker was like 20 feet above his head. It was ridiculous. They've actually taken sand out of the bunkers to make it deeper and make them larger. Now, there is a ton of mounds and undulations on the fairways, so golfers might have to hit their approaches with uneven stances. There is going to be a large risk-reward aspect off the tee. An example of this will be the finishing hole, uh, the 18th hole, and could lead to some drama come Sunday. Uh, the aggressive play would, of course, be driver, which would lead to a short iron approach to an elevated green, but there is OB very, very close to the edge of the right fairway. Um, now, there has been some writing about how controversial those OB stakes are and how it's weird because these OB stakes are at a diagonal angle uh, compared to the fairway, which is not something you usually see when it comes to OB stakes on golf courses. And it's very, very close to the fairway. So now if golfers go the, the conservative approach on 18, hitting an iron off the tee, it's going to lead to a very, very long blind uphill approach. Now, the risk-reward, that happens on many of these holes uh, this week uh, at Royal Portrush. Now, on approach shots, golfers will see a wide array of green sizes. Uh, now, a lot of it depends on the distance off the tee. Like, the shorter the, the, the hole, the smaller the green, basically, it is the way it presumably goes at Royal Portrush. Um, now, you, there will be – most of the greens are elevated with runoff areas and bunkers surrounding them. The elevated greens are something we don't often see at many opens, and it could cause some issues with golfers that miss the green, especially when they miss short. Uh, there will be some holes. If you miss short, the ball will roll down a huge hill in front of the green, leading to 30 to 40-yard chip shots where golfers won't even be able to see the flag. Uh, the greens are fescue with a bit of POA, and the stint meter rating should be slow due to high possible winds. And I guess I'm guessing it won't go above 10.5 on the stint. Uh, I have heard different reports on the contours of the greens, with some saying there is a lot of undulation and slope, and others saying there's not. Uh, maybe Ben can help us out with that. Ben, what did I miss about the course? So, what other aspects of the course are you looking for when you're picking your golfers this week? I think you've covered it really nicely there. But um, in terms of the greens, they are known to be particularly undulating. Um, but it's the fact that they're not necessarily um, as 
uh, anti-golf ball. What am I trying to say? They're, they're more receptive to approach shots than a lot of Lynx greens, but they are undulating. So okay. there's, a, there's a bit of a balance there, a bit of a contradiction. But um, certainly I expect scrambling to be really hard. It's one of those things where a lot of the time you look at the scrambling stats and actually you just see a list of good ball strikers because when they miss a green, they miss by a yard and they've got an easy up and down. People who do miss greens this week are going to face serious challenges to get the ball close to the hole. So uh, you, you look for a very creative short game. It's the sort of test around the greens that had Phil Mickelson shown anything over the last few months. You'd think it would really appeal to his sense of creativity. And I think we will see the full variety of shots this week. We'll see the high one, the low one, and everything in between. I mean, mostly you see those run-up shots, those those bounce-it-off-the-hill type shots, those low uh, you know, when it comes to chipping and chipping around the greens, is that what we're expecting? Or do you think we're going to see a lot of floppers like the American type of golf, uh, you know, short game? Is it going to be a blend of both? Like you say, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I guess the key difference would be, you know, if you take St. Andrews, um, obviously the, the greens at St. Andrews are wonderfully undulating as well, but they're a lot more subtle and they're a lot bigger. Um, and what I would say is that Often at St. Andrews, that, that low shot tends to be the default because you're, you're just trying to run your ball up, get it rolling like a putt. But here at uh, Portrush, you can use slopes a little bit more in the way that we might actually see people use slopes at Augusta. Um, and Harry Colt has always tried to infuse that on his golf courses, the original designer of this course. He's always tried to make uh, the slopes a real key part of what you do, not only with your approach shot, but if you miss the green. And I think it just gives you a few more options. Obviously, for some players, that's a good thing, but for others, it complicates the issue. And I do think the guy who wins this week, I mean, in 2012 at the Irish Open here, we saw a lot of very sharp short games do well, and I think we'll see something very similar. Now, before we get into Tambo's stats, now I'll tell you all listeners right now, when it comes to looking at stats this week, it's going to be the least helpful it's been in any tournament you've played or that you've played DFS in. Just because half the field you don't have any PGA stats for, and also Lynx golf is a different type of golf uh, compared to the usual U.S. parkland type courses that we see uh, week in and week out. So when it comes to stats, um, you know, I I wouldn't go overboard on it. It's going to come a lot with form. Uh, Speaking of form, um, you know, uh, the last few winners, I think for the last decade or so, have had tremendous form coming into this event. And that's going to be an important factor. Uh, And also, when you look at, like, previous year's winners, um, they didn't really have the best open finish the year before either. So looking at because of the different courses in the rotation, you know, looking at just specific course history for the Open Championship might be in vain as well. So it's a tough week for DFS, but we're still going to go at it. Tambo, what are you looking for in golfers this week? Yeah, much much like always, Kenny, it's a major, right? So I talk about this. Ben hinted at it earlier with betting, you know, more of a field guy. I'm almost always more of a field guy, but especially on weeks like this, uh, too many mistakes have been made in the past focusing on models and statistics and what ifs and, and not focusing on, as we've seen, the real winners, quote unquote, that, that show up. You know, the, the likes of, you know, uh, Tommy Fleetwood versus a Justin Rose type of pick. So, uh, you know, who actually wins on tour? Who actually has been number one in the world? Who is overpriced? And then we, of course, we bring the salary game into it. So uh, as far as stats go, just as a generic, uh, you know, like Ben had mentioned, ball strikers, um, scrambling, that approach game. I think the mid to long irons come into play quite a bit still with the, the par threes on the course. And then, of course, the some of the par fours, the way they're set up, and even the the one hole 11 where it was cut back um, from a par five to a par four. So they're going to have a longer approach in there. 
Uh, and then there's three par five still, but you know that can come into play a little bit always for scoring as well. But you, you really want um, guys that aren't going to three putt essentially because the greens are a little bit bigger and they are going to have a lot of these testers left from 10 feet and under. So focusing just a little bit of that as well. Uh, ben, one question before we get into the tiers. Uh, what do you think golfers are going to do off the tee here? Uh, do you think there's going to be a lot of drivers hit? Uh, I, I've read reports that a lot of guys are hitting – uh, you know, irons off the tee here. What do you expect off the tee when it comes to most of these golfers this week? Yeah, so I think a lot of people were thinking when we saw all that rainfall that happened a week ago that it would be quite soft and that um, you'd be able to go out and attack it with the driver. But um, what I've heard from the course, I've got a colleague who's over there already. He said that he was surprised how many irons off the tee he saw hit. He saw a lot of drivers running out of fairway on certain holes. And the marshals were telling him that they were losing balls in the rough, even where they had a good idea where they'd gone in. Because this, as you said earlier, actually, not a lot of the tall, wispy stuff where you, you tend to find your ball at Carnoustie, but it's kind of potluck as to whether you've got a shot to the green. Here at Port Rush, it's kind of, can you find it first? Um, and then in, there should be broad consistency with the with the lie itself. So um, there will be a lot of irons off the tee here. I, I think that's the case. Rory said three or four around was his intention, but he didn't rule out upping it because that's exactly what he did at Carnoustie last year. But uh, yeah, I don't think we'll see driver as a key weapon, which obviously goes against what we're used to. All right, that sounds great. Let's, well, let's, one more let's question, actually, Kenny. Sorry, sorry, Ben. Just with that and what you know so far, I know we're we're still a little ways out, and obviously weather can change on a dime here, so it's not really weather related, so to speak. But just sort of what you think or what your take is as far as correlation courses would be to what you know right now as far as the course conditions, because we've seen the last couple of weeks over on the Euro Tour with the Scottish and the Irish, almost two different, even though, you know, link style, almost two different types of weather, which really affects it. But then people in, you know, sort of our spectrum automatically assume, okay, he won there, therefore he's going to do well this week. And we know that's not always the case. So what courses would you say off the top of your mind, whether it's uh, just in relative notion or more of a direct uh, you know last year's this event what what did you have in mind as far as corollary corollary courses go yeah it's always tricky with with an open championships and and more so one a a golf course we've not seen in in so long but i think if you were to choose one renewal of the irish open which could be uh, particularly useful it would be the 2015 edition at royal county down uh, that was won by Soren Kjelsen. He beat Bernd Wiesberger, very much the man of the moment over here. Oh, wow. Uh, and Eddie Pepperell in a playoff. So Eddie Pepperell and Bernd Wiesberger are immediately quite interesting. Oh, wow. And then if you look at that leaderboard, it's just a who's who of good uh, British, in particular, Lynx golfers. So Tyrrell Hatton was close. Matt Fitzpatrick was not far behind either. And there are a heck of a lot of good uh, Lynx golfers in that leaderboard. Um, and back to what you were saying about the, the conditions of the last two weeks, I guess that's the key question with John Rahm is that, um, you know, he's won two of his three starts in Ireland and yet the conditions really could be so different this week in Port Rush. And then you have to contrast that with his open championship record and he's not yet been in the top 40. And I know he's only had three tries and I'm sure someday he will figure it out, but that's a real conundrum for me. It was one of the questions I found hardest to answer is that I do think the last two weeks have been useful for players, but I don't think, it's easy to assess that yes, finishing first in Ireland is actually as va- more valuable than Rory finishing wherever he finished down in twentieth or so in Scotland. It's more about the work they did off the course as much as it is on it. Awesome. All right, that's good. Inf- that's good info right there. Let's let's get to these tiers here uh, when it comes to the drafting. Let's start in the ten k range like we normally do. We got Tiger Woods all the way up to Rory McIlroy. Let's start off with our guest Ben. Who do you like in this range? 
Yeah, the two for me would be Rory and DJ. Um, the thing that I'll have to concede to you guys who, who play this a lot more than I do is that obviously you have your ownership projections and I'm sure Rory will be popular this week um, despite the fact that he's the, the the highest salary. I mean, DJ for me looks better value um, because for my money of those best players in the world, he's probably the best in the wind of the top four or five. Um, he, he's certainly got one of the best open records behind Rory. Um, he really ought to have won this in 2011 or at least made Darren Clark work a little bit harder for it. And the fact that he played the course a couple of times at the weekend, including with Graham McDowell, that's a really nice little way to prepare, although we've not seen him play the Irish or the Scottish. He has been doing his work. And uh, you start to look at players who consistently produce the same level of golf when the wind taps are turned on and DJ really starts to to stand out. So for me, he will be the one, but Rory a close second because I'm not one of these who thinks the pressure will be too much for him. I think he'll rise to the challenge and I think actually both of them will play really well this week. Are you worried about DJ's form at all? It looks like he hasn't been playing the best golf uh, you know, that he usually plays here recently in the last couple of months. And I know that recent form has been a really big indicator of success uh, here at the Open Championship here in the last decade or so. Are you worried about his form at all? A little, because obviously he did miss the cut of the Rocket Rocket Mortgage Classic. But if I were to find one event maybe in the whole season on the PGA Tour, which I could happily ignore, it would be that one on a new, quite tight Donald Ross course where players were making eight birdies around in some cases. So it doesn't take a lot for a player like DJ just to not quite be at it in the first round. And all of a sudden, uh, they find themselves out of contention and focus switches elsewhere. So it doesn't worry me too much. You're right in what you say that the recent form has been a really good guide to the Open over the years. The best filter of all are, are players who've won this year. Um, obviously, the the five men we've spoken about here in this price range have all won this year, but it's it's a massive pointer and DJ's won twice. And, and actually, maybe, just maybe, having those few weeks off given that he didn't play so well at the Rocket Mortgage and he, he didn't contend in the US Open. Maybe that will have been beneficial rather than going into the full glare of a tournament and he can have worked on a few things. And I certainly like the fact that he'll hit a few irons off the tee. I know that will sound silly to some people, but I really like DJ when he has to scale back and uh, he can certainly do that at Rush. Tampa, who do you like in this range? I might have just got sold by Ben. I, you know, I, know. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking DJ either, but you might have sold I, me on I, it. I was on him. I've been talking with some guys before coming on here, and, and I said to Kenny when I hopped on, I got a preface this week and say it's, you know, I'm as much prepared as possible, but because the situation with weather, draws, all the factors that come into play at, at only one major, really, like the Open is where it matters the most, uh, it's always a tough decision. And with this top, I, my first inclination to start the week was just to fade the whole five of them and say, forget it and get all these balanced lineups in. But I don't think I can fade Rory. So he was number one no matter what. I said, I'm playing maybe two guys max. Rory's one of them for sure. I can see why people wouldn't bet him at six to one because it's tough then. But, you know, in this, it's the same sort of thing. I I, I think he can do with the pressure. Uh, he did, I believe, one in Ireland before with quote-unquote pressure uh, in the past when he, when he had a shot there and, and got a – at the. I can't remember, was the Irish Open, Ben? Do you remember? Yeah, that was right. He won the Irish Open at uh, the K Club, what, yeah. three years ago now. So, yeah, he, and he, he really stepped up that day and stuck his chest out. And, and I, I think that's Rory. I think 
sometimes players have, I mean he's a great player he's not just a very good player and and these are the guys who really step up and and rise to the challenge rather than wilt underneath it so yeah I wouldn't have any issues with yeah that. and I can see that and that's what I said about like Rory he won the the quote-unquote fifth major with the players this year he won the what I like to call the sixth major being Canadian with the RBC Canadian Open <laughs> maybe it's time to get a real major though and finish out the year strong he's had such a good year uh, I could see someone more like McDowell who we'll talk about later cracking under pressure than someone like McElroy. So uh, I'm in on McElroy regardless of ownership. It might only end up being something where I match the field um, just because I know he's going to be popular. And I've even said it on multiple podcasts before here. When it comes to majors, you don't always need to play the 11K guy because a lot of there's a lot better golfers in the field in that 6 and 7K range that you don't have to have him necessarily, uh, a la Tiger Woods winning at the Masters and not being on the Millie Maker winning lineup uh, just because Brooks, Molinari, all those guys had done so much in DraftKings scoring. Uh, the debate I had was between Rom and DJ. Uh, I'm always fading Kepka. I, I just believe it's going to tap out at some point. Haven't seen much out of him, you know, the last couple events. I know that goes with the, the theory of he only shows up at majors, but I, I think there's going to be a clock that runs out there. Uh, and again, 11-4, I just have to pay the 200 bucks more and get McElroy regardless of ownership. Um, but it feels like Rom is at his ceiling price of 10-6 at a major. We're used to seeing him in that 9K range. And DJ is really at his floor price of 10-9. Uh, a little bit of struggles lately for DJ. I saw today he did get back with uh, Claude Harmon there. So maybe, you know, he's got a lot going on at the moment. Some could say that can mess with him. But at 10-9 and in a large field GPP where I think he's going to be lower owned and everyone's going to gravitate to Rom, I think I'm going to make the, the call right here on the pod and switch to DJ over Rom. Kenny? Uh, Rory's, yeah, Rory's definitely my favorite play. Uh, there's no doubt. But I do think there's value in Brooks Kepka this week just because of where he's sandwiched in when it comes to the price. I mean, if DJ, I feel like DJ is going to get a bump now because of Ben, uh, you know, and he yeah. has Rom. Uh, Rom like, is going to be popular as well. Rory's going to be one of the more popular golfers in the field. Uh, you're looking at Kepka and Tiger as the two lowest owned. And now I don't know if Tiger has it in him. I don't know about his health and stuff like that. So I'm probably not playing Tiger. Rory's definitely I'm playing, but the other three guys I'll probably only play one or one more, maybe two. I don't know. But Kepka, I think, has value because I think, again, the guy is the, the, big, the big game hunter. I mean, he comes to the play at these major championships. Now, he didn't fare too well last year, but it's not like he's not used to playing these type of courses. You know, he played, he started his career on the European Tour. Uh, so, you know, he has some experience, probably more uh, than probably everyone except Rory and Rom up here, maybe even more than Rom up here in this field, uh, in this top range. So uh, I want to put a keen eye on Kepka. I'm not sure if I'm going to play him yet, but I think he, he does have value uh, this week when it comes to contrarian type ownership type plays. And it's not like the talent level between these guys is dramatically different. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So I... Uh, I would probably play the lowest zone out of the other three guys, and I think it's going to be Brooks, and I'll probably play him. I don't play the top two guys very often, but with the value that we have in the lower range, it can easily be done this week. All right, so let's move to this 9K range. I'll go ahead and start with my first cash game cornerstone. It's going to be Xander Shoffley at $9,500. This guy, a couple of, you finished, what, second last year here at the Open Championship his first time. Uh, I think he had a top 20. Uh, so he, he's been playing, he 
play well on these type of courses. The one worry, of course, is he hasn't played since the U.S. Open. So that's a little bit of a worry, but I think he knows what he's doing. He's like the mini Brooks Kepka. Uh, he comes to play at the Open Championships. I wouldn't be surprised. And at this price, I think he's definitely worth it uh, because of his uh, status when it comes to major championships. Now, other guys that I do like in this range, I think Justin Thomas is a good play at $9,100. Uh, he seems undervalued, underpriced, and had a nice solid... Buying a home can feel like navigating uncharted waters. Redfin agents can help. They'll answer your questions with honest advice so you know exactly what you're getting into. They'll also help you tour as many homes as you want and show you what it takes to make a winning offer. With a Redfin agent on your side, you can sail straight to your dream home. Local expertise from Redfin. That's real estate done right. Tour subject to property and agent availability. Virginia Office Falls Church, VA. 844-759-7732. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast-forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. Oh, man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm going to need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The Name Your Price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose Coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Top 10 last week at the Scottish Open. But if you want to dif- differentiate, Bryson DeChambeau uh, hasn't had the best track record at the Open Championship. But his form leading in to this week is the best it's been since last year when he was winning all those events in the row, uh, all the way leading up to the fall. Uh, and I think that that type of good form is, is is key in Bryson's game, especially because it seems like Bryson's game is confidence-driven. Um, you know, when he feels like his game is, is, is in the flow that he needs to be, he steps up and plays to that level that we expect him to play. Um, now, when he's in a slump, I think it takes a little bit longer for him to get out of that slump than other golfers uh, because of the way uh, his 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 nature of the way he thinks uh, about the game of golf. So you saw that he had a little bit of a downturn in the middle of the year, and it took a little bit a, a little longer than most people of his elite level to get back to the to the standard that he was at. But I think he's there now, and I think people will be going against him just because of his poor track record uh, at the Open Championships. I think Bryson makes a really, really good GPP play in this range. And I like Rosie up top as well. Ben, who do you like in this range? Uh, Patrick Cantley would be the one for me. Um, he's right down at the bottom of the range at uh, 9,000. Yeah. He's the, the my best bet for the week. I, I think he's we underestimate players like him over here, and I'm not entirely sure why. I think there's a, a little bit of uh, underestimating Americans in general under Link's conditions, despite what history tells us about their suitability or effectiveness uh, under such conditions. And uh, his 12th place at Carnoustie last year was really solid. He's prepared in exactly the same way. He finished 15th at the Travelers, just as he had done last year. Um, and I think he can improve upon it now because that final round at the Memorial was just uh, the graduation to elite level for me. And... I see no reason why he won't keep climbing until he's in the top five and, and a major could be could be very soon for him. Uh, you look at the statistical categories and he's basically right up there in every one of them. But the key one could well be that bogey avoidance stat. Uh, rewind a year and Francesco went 36 holes without a bogey to win this title. And uh, if anyone's going to do that this year, it's probably unlikely. But if anyone is, it might just be Cantlay because he's, he's top of the charts this year. And uh, I, I love him. I really do. I think he's perfect for this. That's awesome. Anybody else that, that piques your interest in this range? 
Yeah, I mean, the guys you were talking about, the, the one I'd be against, if you like, it would be Fowler. He's been tinkering with his grip and, and his takeaway, I believe, as well. And, and you don't want to hear that when you're heading into a major championship. So I'd be a little bit against him. I have worries about players who've not... I know Cantley's only played once since the US Open, but uh, Xander Schauffele hasn't played at all. And that just concerns me. And the same goes for Justin Rose. So I'd probably be leaning towards Cantley. And the next one would be JT. Um I'm a huge, huge fan. I'm not alone, obviously, in that of, of JT. One of the best iron players in the world. And as Tyler said earlier, approach play is going to be key this week because you don't want to be missing missing short of the greens in particular. Um, so having that warm-up in Scotland would be really good for him. Um, and he will be next behind Cantlay. But I'd be just against those guys who have not played since the US Open. Yeah, JT's been really, really solid around the greens this season all year. So that's definitely going to be a plus for him. But one thing I do say is his ownership will be sky high. Uh, so, you know, and the thing is, sometimes you don't want to play that ownership game when it comes to these elite level golfers because they can pop. And if people like them, they like them for a reason. So uh, I'm definitely going to play JT, but I think Bryson could be a, a decent pivot. Tampa, who do you like? Yeah, I'll start at the top. I, I know Ben mentioned a little earlier that he, he fancied Fleetwood a little bit, but uh, my first T3PO of the week is actually going off of Fleetwood at $9,700, which I think is just too much. And going to Rose, uh, you just talked about him a little bit. I know it was all putter and scrambling last time out, but for someone long-term, we talked about, and what I always bring up, long-term, great player, was number one in the world, known for his iron game, which just wasn't on. I feel like he still felt something come of that and can put it together here. Obviously, second at last year's Open. I think it's another you know misprice at 9900 And Fleetwood, to me, is the same as Fowler for 400 bucks more. And they basically have the same haircut now. So uh, if I really wanted to go that way, I could just drop $400 and get Fowler. But even being the Fowler truther I am, I'm having a tough time getting there just with how poor he's been lately. Uh, you really do want to have the form coming in here. And I talk about it all the time. I want the winners. And I got Molinari and DeChambeau and Thomas all right around these guys. So I don't know how you can play the guy that everyone just assumes, myself included, being a truther, that he's going to win a major. He hasn't, bottom line right? DeChambeau hasn't either. I get that. I'm just saying a guy, we talked about this last week or, or a couple weeks ago with DeChambeau and Decky uh, and, and what happened, right? Decky again, overpriced, didn't get there. DeChambeau, the true winner with winner's equity, gets right there, puts the eagle on 18 and just gets outdone by Matt Wolf. So um, I like Rose over Fleetwood. That's the first one. I like your Xander call. I think he's a, a cheaper version of Brooks, which I'm happier to save the money and go down to. Uh, and then I like uh, Cantley, of course. I'm not going to beat a dead horse there. I actually think Cantley will be the highest owned in, in the in the Millie Maker, if not the second highest owned. Even though Thomas is right there and will gain ownership as well. But I have to love Cantley. That's that's some chalk that I'll definitely be eating this week, just because of how good he is. And again, I think he's extremely mispriced at nine k. All right, sounds good. All right, so I'm going to start this eight k range because my final three cash game cornerstones are in this range. Uh, my first one is going to be Adam Scott at $8,800. The guy's been having really, really good form this year. He's playing probably some really good rebound uh, from his season last year. And the big thing has been his putting. Uh, he's been putting exceptionally well here. And hopefully that helps him this week. But also his short game has been very, very good. Uh, you know, he, he's, I think, top 30 in the field in strokes game around the green uh, in the last 50 rounds. Um, I think he's 31st in scrambling, which takes into account putting, which is crazy for Adam Scott. But now he, he's a pretty decent putter. As long as he has that broomstick in his hand, uh, he's been doing pretty well. 
so I do like Adam Scott. A good, 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 good form uh, at the Open Championship in the past. Uh, next one is going to be my most hated golfer, uh, Matt Kuchar, at eighty seven hundred dollars. Uh, even though I hate him um, and, and he's an asshole, uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm gonna. I, I got to play him uh, this week. Approach game good again. Another guy who's having one of the better seasons of his career. And the thing about these older guys, all three of these guys that I'm going to pick this week uh, in this eight K range in Cascade Cornerstones are over thirty five years old. And I think something like seven of the last ten winners have been 35 years old or more. Now, I'm not saying a young guy can't win. Uh, and especially when it comes to DFS, you don't necessarily need a winner uh, to succeed. Uh, but, you know, the old guys have fared well. And this is the, the old guy championship, basically, is what it comes down to when it comes to majors. Uh, so Kucher, with his good form, he's been having a good track record. Uh, I think, you know, he finished second to speed a couple years ago. I think he had a top 10 last year, iron game strong, uh, short game pretty good. Uh, you know, when, it, when you add the putting involved with the scrambling, he's really good hitting a ton of greens, hitting a ton of fairways. So I do like Kucher. And my final cash game cornerstone is going to be Henrik Stenson at uh, $8,400. The best approach game there is uh, super accurate with his three wood. And while some other guys might be hitting hybrid three iron off the tee, he might be more comfortable just hitting that three wood and being accurate as hell. And, you know, maybe even gaining a little bit of an edge when it comes to distance because he's, he's so comfortable with that three wood. And I expect it to come out a lot this week. Um, so uh, these three guys, so so my four cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Xander Shoffley at $9,500, Adam Scott at $8,800, Matt Kuchar at $8,700, and Henrik Stenson at $8,400. Now, this only leaves you about $14,600 under the cap, which is, I try to make it $15,000, uh, but with all the value that we have in that lower seven, lower to mid-7K range, uh, I think it's very easy to fill out the rest of your lineup. So those are my four cash game cornerstones. When it comes to GPPs, I sort of like the two Euro guys on the bottom uh, that people might miss. Usti, uh, no one ever rosters him. He's always single-digit owned uh, because everyone fears to withdraw. But this guy show comes up in majors. He has the the the, the, the major runner-up grand slam. Uh, so, you know, low ownership for a guy with high upside – uh, maybe a maybe very, very low floor, but high upside. I do like Usti, and I like Matthew Wallace. The guy is just a grinder, a tough guy out there, can go out no matter the conditions. He, he goes out, has his mindset right. Uh, he's been having a decent season. He, he showed up earlier in the year um, on, on the PGA Tour. I, I like his game, and he, one of the best scramblers out there. Uh, so those are a couple of GBP picks that I think it could be low owned. Uh, Tamba, who do you like in this range? Really like this range a lot. Um, it's going to sound indecisive maybe, but if you notice, I, I literally only picked like five guys so far above this range. And it's because my pool is going to just be filled with all these guys and just waiting on ownership to see where the best spots are to leverage. But I can tell you off the top, I'm going to go a little bit crazy this week and do something I never do. And that's play Jordan Spieth. Uh, hear me out. So Really? Hey, yeah, this is the first time I think maybe all year. And my take on it is this, is he's 8,900. He's finally down to a bit of a fair price. Uh, his open record is phenomenal. His majors record, I talked about last major where, and it didn't come through for us, and he was also a bit higher price. But I said, you know, people always seem to still overlook him. 
He hasn't had it all clicked together at once yet, and I'm hoping this can be the spot. But my my take is really this. Uh, if I'm playing the Millie Maker, which I am, I'm maxing it out for 150 lineups. I want to make this mistake when it can pay off big. So if it's if it's if it's a mistake, it is what it is, but at least it was in a spot where if it went right, I can get rewarded handsomely with the million dollars. So uh, I'm going to play Spieth here at 8,900 bucks. Hope for the best. Uh, like I said, he's been really good in majors, solid at the open, ninth, first, and fourth in three of his last four with a 30th and a 36th in the other uh, two to round out his last five. So I'll play Spieth. I like Matsuyama. I can't hate on the guy when he's 11K and say I'd play him if he was 10 and then not play him large at $8,500. So for $8,500, I'm definitely going to be playing Matsuyama here. Uh, approach game solid, just like his boy Stenson down below him. So I think this is going to be a very popular range. Uh, I'm going to have to get a lot of combos, but my second uh, T3PO is just going to be based on, and I'll actually still have both of these guys, but I, I want to explain because it's funny, you we don't talk before, Kenny, and you ended up having both of them in your cash game cornerstones. But my take was that I think Kucher will be a lot higher owned. Uh, at 8,700, people call him the free square, whatever. I think he's a great cash game play. I know he's obviously had good success at the Open. People are talking about betting him, etc. I don't hate it, but I do like Scott uh, a little bit more. So Scott over Kucher, especially in GPPs, three maxes, one single entries, things like that. If you can pivot off Kucher to him, it's not that drastic of a change, but I think there'll be a little bit of a dip in ownership there where you can leverage it. Scott himself has a pretty good open record and has been amazing in recent form. Uh, as long as we don't hear about any crazy putter changes with him throughout the week here, I'm happy to go back to Scott at 8,800. And then down below, you mentioned a couple of them, but Usti was the big one for me. Uh, just because, like you said, nobody likes to play him. Major prowess, uh, solid at the, you know, some of the opens he's been better at. The St. Andrews course, obviously a really good one for him. Uh, but around the green and three-putt avoidance for Usti is amazing. Long-term, short-term, however you want to look at it, uh, he can be solid there. It just depends on what Usti shows up, but you're, you're not really paying too high of a premium at $8,000, so I don't mind him there either. All right, Ben, what do you like? Uh, yeah, I'd be really keen on Ustazen as well. I think he's really good value. The other one is Stenson. I know you've talked extensively about him, and I agree with everything, really. I mean, he's a link specialist. It's 10 Open Championships now he's made the cut in a row. Uh, he's been in the top three four times, including a win. And this is across a variety of courses, but they are the really classical Lynx golf courses, likes of Royal Troon and Muirfield, less so maybe St. Andrews, which of course is the oldest and most famous of them all, but it's the one where you can just pound the driver a little bit more. Um, I agree with what Tyler said about him getting an advantage here because the thing Stenson has is every week on the PGA Tour, he battles against guys who are a little bit longer. I mean, for, with his three wood, he's as long as anybody, but he basically gives up a small amount off the tee and tries to make it up. And that's really difficult, despite being the leading iron player in world golf, arguably. Um, I don't think he'll have that problem here. I think he'll be in the fairway and in the middle of the green for, for much of the week. And really, that's half the battle. And if you look at what he did last week, 71 holes, he made 21 birdies and no bogeys. He made one double bogey on Saturday evening when his concentration waned a little bit. Uh, I just thought it was a perfect way to prepare. So he'd be the one for me. The other rock-solid one that hasn't perhaps been mentioned quite so extensively is Jason Day. He's actually made eight open cuts in a row now, and I think all of us would probably say he's not a perfect links golfer. He hits the ball really, really high. Uh, his iron plays his weakness. So those things kind of go against him. But then you think eight cuts in a row, that gives you some value, and he's got Stevie Williams on the bag. I know you touched upon the fact that Stevie knows the course a little bit better than most uh, earlier on in the show, and that could be an asset uh, towards Jason Day's chance. And he obviously 
go back a couple of years and he'd be right up towards the top of this market. So he'd be interesting, but Stenson by far is the most solid. I did hear some reports. I did hear some reports that Day is trying to lower uh, his his apex height a little bit. And we've seen some of that the last time he played out. Maybe that's why he didn't finish as highly as I thought. I think it was a couple of weeks ago um, when he played here in the U.S. And I heard that he was trying to lower that ball flight a little bit. Do you think that's going to help him out here at, at, at Royal Port Rush there? Uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely would if he if he's succeeded, I guess. You, you don't really want a guy to be still working on that or expecting if he feels like he's brought a new shot into his game, then it would be a massive advantage for him because I think we would all agree that when you look at what Day does um, in terms of winning at a course like this, the weakness would be that everything in the past has just been thrown high as possible into the air. And it's probably no coincidence that the one time he's had a chance to win a claret jug was at St Andrews, where, as I say, you can get away with that approach a little bit more than you can here. So um, I wouldn't be certain. He's not one that I'm interested in betting, but I think in terms of DFS, and again, I concede knowledge to you guys, but I I feel like his ownership will be low and you've got a really good chance that he plays well, finishes 12th and does the job for you. Yeah, I actually really like that, Ben. Uh, I think uh, I forgot to mention that, but that's one that I'm on because of what you just said. He's sandwiched in between the Scott, Kucher, Matsuyama, Stenson range. No matter what everybody likes to think, you could put any narrative behind it. He's just going to get crushed there in ownership by the others. And I think he does fare well here. Uh, one more plug for your article, and I want to hear your take on Casey because – uh, for those of you that don't know, Ben mentioned it, but he has one of the best um, player-by-player guides, I would say the best, in, in the industry that he puts out. It takes about half an hour to read, but it's by far the best 30 <laughs> minutes I, I've spent this week. It, it's honestly, it's so informative. It's got good jokes in there. You know, I tease Ben off camera or off the show, I guess I should say, with about adding Matt Wolf and saying just for SEO purposes. But my favorite line of the entire one was actually with Casey when it finished with, week in a finish despite eating spinach. Do you care to uh, elaborate on that one for us, there, Ben? Yeah, do you know? Yeah, but you don't think you don't think he can show up here this week? Because that, that was a guy that I'm back and forth on. I, I know the the forearms for sure. I love the the take. I wonder what your take is on Casey overall, uh, just versus the guys around him. Like Woodland is there, Wallace is there. Sort of pick your pick your poison. But Casey seems to be a a solid guy in majors. I just wondered why you were a little bit down on him here at the at, at the Open. Yeah, I'm not down on him as such. His open record isn't particularly good. Um, I know he had a, he made a lot of talk this year about how he could actually go and win the Masters and then miss the cut there. So perhaps there would be uh, something ironic in the in him going and contending here. But his open record is not great, and he is actually a little bit like Jason Day uh, for all that he's a, an English golfer. And sometimes we assume that they're a little bit more nuanced. He does like hitting the ball awfully high, and um, yeah, he he just is one of those I'd expect to play quite well and probably produce a performance similar to that which he produced in the US Open, which was, a, I think he shot 67 on Sunday and, and passed a few players then, but it was too little too late. And that kind of feels right. like what we should expect from him. But I would say he's a former winner of the Irish Open. So, you know, he'll be he'll be glad to be back at Portrush. Right. Ben, uh, go ahead and take us into this upper 7K range from 7,500 up. Who do you like? Yeah, we're looking at 7,500 up. No, yeah, because I was just about to say Brant Snedeker was an interesting one, but I'll uh, I'll give you Matt Fitzpatrick instead. Um, he's a player who over here is really highly regarded. I guess in America, he's not quite shown what he can do to the same extent. Uh, he was runner-up in the Arnold Palmer Invitational, of course, and he's, he's got a Masters top 10, but he's, he's not won. Uh, and you have to go and do that if you want to really get a reputation for yourself. Over here, that's what his reputation is. Uh, and the thing I really like about him this week is that for me, he's one of the best mid to long iron players 
on the European Tour. I know Tyler said earlier that, that could be a massive weapon both off the tee and with the approach shots on some of these longer par fours. Uh, he's playing really nicely. He's got Billy Foster on the bag, the caddy who was uh, alongside Seve many years ago. More recently, he was alongside Lee Westwood when he nearly won this a couple of times. That's an advantage. And I think Fitz is one of those who's getting closer in the majors. He's not done it in this one, but he's done it in the US Open. Uh, the other one, Shane Lowry. Um, all of the talk will be on the Northern, the Northern Irish golfers, including Graham McDowell this week. But I think Lowry's form's a little bit better. He's had a couple of recent top 10s over there in the States, played really well in the US Open, warmed up nicely at La Hinch, where he said he figured out a little thing with his putting stroke. And when I said earlier that winning this year is a big pointer, he obviously did that back in January, but I think it was really important for him. I'm a really big Shane Lowry fan, and uh, his par three stats and his approach stats have improved massively. I think he'll play really well this week. Tambo. Ben just sold my third T3PO very nicely. I hinted at it earlier with uh, McDowell. Uh, I, li- I like Lowry over McDowell, and I think for you know exactly what you said, it's the Irish connection. Everyone's been talking about McDowell. We know he's played the course three to five hundred times. It- it's been talked about, uh, but it really feels like even I-, I saw some stuff on Twitter of him walking Dustin Johnson around the course. He- he's playing much more of the host role. And I think that might end up being too much. He's sort of happy to be there. He's having a pretty good season. I know he would obviously like to make something of it, um, but that doesn't always come true. Everybody, I'd like to win the Millie Maker this week. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. Um, so for me, I like Lowry over McDowell for all the reasons you just mentioned. couple other guys in the range. Don't hate going back to Garcia. Um, not a, a ton to talk about lately. Obviously, he's been poor in majors. Finally got a, a made cut. Last time out, but it was like a 52nd place. So I'm not expecting too much, but his long term pedigree in the open is known. Uh, su- super high results. There was a period at one point, I think, where he went 10 straight uh, top 10s or something over the over a 10 year period. He had like 10 top 10s in majors that it was including the open. So I like Garcia. I like Leishman at 7,700. I always like playing him when he's a little bit cheaper. Uh, don't hate what you said about Fitzpatrick. Eddie Pepperell was one that I was going to ask you about. And then I think the highest owned play of the week here is going to be Webb Simpson. And that's uh, a tough topic because last time out, he was the same sort of chalk. They, they didn't price him up again. He ended up getting it done. I think I'll still have to eat the Simpson chalk, but there's so many guys around him that uh, I'm not fully decided on that yet. Kenny, what's your take on Webb Simpson and then other guys in this range? I'd rather go down one hundred dollars to Rafael Rafael Cabrera Bayo. I think he's going to be popular as well, right up there with Webb. Uh, but he, he's had good form. I think he finished uh, top five here a couple weeks ago um, uh, across the pond, either in the Scottish or the Irish. I'm not sure which one. Um, he's had good form, good record here at the uh, Open Championship. I, I think he's a good cash play. Uh, down here at $7,500. I do like Leishman as well. Another guy, solid open uh, form. One guy who I haven't really been high on this year, uh, but I think can make some noise this week, uh, is Tony Finau. And the thing about Finau is I feel like when he clubs down off the tee, the courses where he clubs down off the tee, he plays better. Uh, and I think, you know, with with people saying, you know, Rory's only hitting three or four drivers, if he can hit those longer irons, which he's still long off off the tee, I think he can perform here with a good open track record and probably lower ownership than we normally see for Tony Finau in an event, especially at this price at $7,800. I do like Finau. Uh, ben, 
talk about Eddie Pepperell here a little bit because I think he's going to gather some interest this week. Yeah, he's a, obviously a really popular player for a lot of what he's done off the course and the blog he writes and things like that. I recommend reading it, um, although he's not written one in a while. I think he's getting too famous. But uh, yeah, um, the one thing I would say is he's really, really good under Link's conditions. He won the Qatar Masters uh, last year. That was his breakthrough. I know the Middle East is a heck of a long way from Northern Ireland, but the Qatar Masters has got an amazing record at throwing up open champions. Adam Scott, okay, he's not won the Open, but he's gone very, very close. Paul Laurie, who, of course, has won the Open. Uh, Thomas Bjorn, who should have won the Open. Sergio Garcia, who probably should have won an Open as well. Uh, Ernie Els, who has won the Open. So many of those players have won in Qatar and nearly or or actually won the Open Championship. So that's a big tick in his box. He then went and won the British Masters when it was cold and windy. Uh, he nearly won at Hillside in the British Masters again this year as defending champion, which was by the coast in the northwest uh, of England. Uh, he's lost a playoff at Royal County Down, as I mentioned earlier. That could be a really nice form guide. All the good stuff is right there. And I, I would like to think he'll play well. If there's a nagging doubt, he decided not to play Pebble Beach because he's nursing a little shoulder injury. Um, I think it was precautionary and he's played the last two weeks. He's played eight rounds and he's played nicely. So I don't think there's a problem there, but it's a slight risk you have to factor in. I like it. Sounds good there, buddy. Uh, Tamba, why don't you lead us into the seven to seventy five hundred dollar range, seventy seventy four hundred dollar range? Yeah, a few, a few guys just seem a little bit uh, underpriced for me. Uh, I'll let Ben take Snedeker because I'd rather hear his take on it than mine, but I do like him. Uh, I also like uh, Hatton as well as Reed right there above. I sort of like peppering this range a little bit, no pun intended for Pepperell, but if you got Hatton, uh, you know, he, he showed up a little bit over the weekend, this past weekend. I know, like we said, we're not sure on exact conditions yet, but um, just a guy that I think has more upside, decent putter, can get it done. Um, Reed around the green play, we talk about it all the time. The irons have been showing up lately. He's a guy that I think is underpriced at 7,400. Uh, it just doesn't seem right. It, it seems really off. So I don't mind going down to Reed as well. And then if I drop down a few, this is where I said earlier where sort of the weather and that sort of thing plays into it with guys like Grace and Kisner and Norin. I, I think I like them in sort of worse off conditions, right? Or, or like Kisner, I like them if it's going to roll out more. So have to wait and see on those guys. Um, other other than that, there's not too much down here that I really like. Uh, the other one I'm considering is Hao Tong Lee. Uh, just a you know two for two his last two opens 39th and a third 7300 playing really well this season uh, I've read a few more things on him he's got some links to it but uh, really really the only other one might be Zach Johnson and then from there not much what do you got Kenny uh, definitely I'm with you on Patrick Reed I'm with you on Hatton Hatton one of the best links players out there our Reed's form has been getting back to normal here recently i do like how tong lee as well just for all the reasons you said i think he could be a lower owned sleeper uh, alexander norin seems like a guy who could play uh these types of courses pretty well his form has been getting better uh he's had a decent track record here zach johnson another guy you mentioned finally showing some signs of life uh last week on sunday when he hit a 66 uh he has a ridiculous amount of top 20s at the open championship in the last decade or so and then when you go down lower burn weisberger weisberger um you know with his win last week growing in confidence i think he can make for a nice uh final cash game cash play as your lowest price guy i do like that ben this is where we start needing you more and more or when we get to this lower price range where we see a lot more golfers who people who play 
PGA DFS might not be as familiar with. Uh, who do you like in this range? And go over a couple of guys uh, maybe like that you think that we don't know too much about that you think could pop. Sure. So going back to that Royal County down from 2015, Andy Sullivan played really well in that. Um, he was at the top of his game back then, uh, but he's getting back that way. He was second to Ram a couple of weeks ago in Ireland, played well in Scotland, made a really fast start. I think he shot 63 in the first round there. So he's back close to his best and he's always been comfortable by the sea. So Andy Sullivan would be quite interesting. Mike Lorenzo Vera is a very emotional Frenchman who probably won't win this. He's never won on the European Tour, but he's a brilliant putter. His short game has been on fire all season. Again, he's really comfortable by the sea, and he's one of those who's got Qatar Masters form, which I talked about earlier. So I can see both of those two playing quite nicely. Um, I have to give a mention to Snedeker, who uh, was third at Lytham back in, what, 2013, arguably the best short game in the tournament. And he's back in form this year as he's gone back to his old coach, Todd Anderson. So I, I thought he would play well. Um, just to give you a bit more on some of the European Tour regulars, I guess, Eric Van Royen is developing a reputation as one of the most talented guys on the tour, not yet to have won. Uh, we saw him make an eight on the second hole of the Scottish Open last week, which was painful to watch for me, but uh, I'm over <laughs> it now, I think. Uh, but he's been really good um, the closer to the coast he's been. Um, and just one more name who obviously is familiar to you guys in the PGA Tour. Uh, I thought Byung Hun An was quite interesting. Obviously, he he's a very, very poor putter. Um, and whether he can get away with that and get inside the top 10 or 15, I'm not so sure. But I actually watched him play at Hoylake. I followed this group around for quite a long time. That was five years ago now. And he really impressed me with the way he flighted the ball down in, in the wind there. And it, OK, it wasn't the windiest week at Hoylake, but I don't think it'd be too bad this week either. Uh, he's got three top 20s in his last four starts. And sorry to go on, but I've got one more name, which is the, probably the biggest name in this group, apart from Padraig Harrington. And that, that's Jim Furyk. I mean... His approach play numbers have been fantastic all year. And when you go through his open record, one thing stands out. All of his best appearances in the open have been, and this might seem tenuous, but they've all been near Liverpool or around Liverpool. He was fourth there in 2014. Uh, he was fourth again at, at Hoy Lake in 2006. He was fourth at Birkdale in 1998. And Liverpool's a short hop from Northern Ireland. I think you'll find this just as comfortable. Uh, and I can see him really playing well. You know, we saw him second at the players. He played really well at Pebble Beach. And this is more his bag because most of those courses were a little bit long and soft for him. And, and this shouldn't be. So I think Furyk will play really well this week. Sounds good there, Ben. Why don't you go ahead and take us into the 6K range? Because there's a lot of unknowns for us uh, over here on this side of the pond when it comes to these type of players that don't normally play in the United States. Who do you like? Uh, who are some sleepers? Who are some guys that we might not know that well who you think they, that can do well? So the biggest talents in this section or the, the most promising talents in Europe are Romain Langasque, the Frenchman, uh, and Adria Arnaus, the Spaniard. These are going to be two of the best players in the European Tour within the next few years. Obviously, this might not be of great value to you in the, the next four or five days, but hopefully long term, uh, you might be able to put that to use. Longask as well, um, he's a former amateur champion. He won the amateur championship at Carnoustie, so he's got good, good experience of Lynx courses. He made the cut when he was an amateur uh, in the Masters. He did it as well in the Open, and this is his first go as a professional, and it just so happens that he was third last week as well. So there's plenty of reasons to be positive about him. He's probably the, well, he's certainly the most talented French player since Victor de Buisson emerged, and he's probably a little bit better than that uh, in, in time. Uh, Adrian Aus, meanwhile, is a Spaniard who played really well at Valderrama a couple of weeks ago, then went to Ireland and finished in the top 20, showed a bit of links form there. He's got such a big future, this guy. Um, if you want guys who are a little bit more grizzled, if you like, who've got a bit more links form, then Paul Waring grew up uh, in Birkenhead, which is quite close to Northern Ireland over there near Liverpool. He's got a good links record and he's played his best golf over the last 12 months. 
Robert McIntyre is a young Scotsman who's really impressed this year. Hits a nice low bullet off the tee. Uh, and if I was to take some from the PGA Tour, I, I like the look of Adam Hadwin. What he does well is his approach play and his putter. I think that'll be valuable this week. And he, he was doing that well last time out in the uh, the 3M Open there. So I think he'll go really well. Uh, but yeah, of those Europeans, if I had to pick one, it would be Longas because he's got some links credentials and he's playing really well. All right, man. That sounds good, Tam. But why don't you take us in? Why don't you keep going? Okay, I like Hadwin, who you just mentioned. I just think he's a little bit underpriced at sixty nine hundred. Never, like you said, we don't we don't know all these players down below as much as you do, and and most of the listeners won't. So it's amazing to have that insight, Ben. I just, you know, it's tough for me because some of the you never know how they're going to balance out against the PGA pros that we see so frequently. And when it comes to building lineups for these millie makers and whatever these tournaments might be on DraftKings with these large fields. It's like everyone wants to find their own diamond in the rough and then seal it and be able to make a lineup with that. And then I find that that's normally where the one mistake is made. So I really do try and stick to some of the the local knowledge that I have. But I do like Hadwin. I like Horschel. Uh, same thing, 6,900. He's never done well in the open, but a little bit better form coming in this year. You never know. 6,900. I don't need him to go and win the whole thing, right? It, it's cheap. I wanted to play Hal, but for those that don't know out there, he withdrew today. Um, same with, uh, Ryan Moore before he even got into this sort of, he, he dejected the invitation. So uh, a couple of guys that I would have liked down there in these price ranges, Bobby Mack, you mentioned was uh, sort of the one European that kind of stood out to me. And the other one, um, I don't want to keep going here, but so Glover will be popular, uh, but I'll probably fit him into some lineups just cause again, his form and the year he's been having. Uh, but the one I wanted to ask you about Ben was, uh, Pavon. I think it's Andrea or Andrew. How do you say his first name? Yeah, Andrea Pavan. Yeah, yeah. he's uh, he, he's uh, had a really good year. You know, he won in Germany a couple of weeks ago. That's his second win in inside a year. He was a bit lucky. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick probably should have beat him there. Um, and he played really, really well in Scotland last week. I kind of see him as a low-scoring player. Um, he makes a lot of birdies, um, but his approach plays really good at the moment. So uh, he ticks some boxes. Yeah, I, I he's one of those guys who. I feel like he, he, he's got a ceiling which he's very, very close to right now. But in terms of fulfilling his job for you in a team this week, obviously, that might be enough. Um, but I just want to throw one more name at you, and I'm sorry for this, but I, I left him out and I shouldn't have. Uh, just above him is Christian Bezaden, who, um, sorry if you know this story, but um, this is a guy who has been through an incredible uh run of circumstances in his career. I think I mentioned at the top of the show, uh, he swallowed rat poison when he was two years old. He got anxiety and a speech impediment on the back of that. He had to take beta blockers uh, to to counteract it. He then got banned for taking beta blockers. That happened at Port Rush five years ago in the amateur championship. And he's back now because he won at Valderrama where he fended off John Rahm and Sergio Garcia was up there as well. That was a massive performance. And he is a, a South African going places. And he reminds me so much of Louis Oosthuizen in 2010 when he won the Open Championship. So I keep a very close eye on, eye on him as well. Uh, one guy I'm interested in, Ben, is Yus Luton. Uh, he's top 10 in strokes gain off the tee on the European Tour, top 10 in um, tee to green, top 10 in approach, top 10 in green and regulation, top 10 in driving accuracy. I mean, those stats sort of pop for me when it comes in. What do you, what do you think about him this week? Yeah, he's one of those that I think a lot of people would look to because he's, he's – 
typically in his career been so, so consistent. And he's done it in big tournaments. He played well in the PGA Championship a couple of years ago. And I think he played quite well at Chambers Bay in the US Open uh, from memory. The one issue with him at the moment is that his form has sort of nosedived. And for a player as good as him, um, it's hard to justify that. Um, you know, his form in Europe is three missed cuts and 20th in his last four starts. And that's really not what we expect from him. So it'll be interesting to see if he can bounce back. Um, Maybe this is interesting, maybe it's not. But a couple of years ago, I was at the Open Championship and he was first reserve and he stood there next to the first tee the whole day and didn't get a start. So he'll be itching to get back in the tournament. Uh, so there's that in his favor, I guess. Very cool. All right, so that's one guy that, one guy to pique my interest. Other guys I do like in this range, I like Andrew Putnam, who had a good performance here uh, last last week or a couple weeks ago. Uh, top 10, top 15 uh, in a European tour event, either Scotland or Ireland. Uh, I don't remember which one. Uh, I do like Paul Waring, third in greens and regulation. I think he was top five here uh, at the Irish Open in 2012. I had one. Both you guys like. I'm down with him, too. Uh, anybody else that we have missed, Ben? Anybody else? We can keep on going. Any, anybody else that you missed uh, in this range? Uh, so if I can go to 6,200, I can just tell you about Callum Shinkwin. Um, if you look at the European Tour stats this year, strokes gained off the tee and strokes gained ap- approach and, and greens in regulation as well, he is right up there. And yet you look at his form and it doesn't add up. So something's not quite right with certainly his short game, maybe his mindset. But he's another one of these players. He's got so much talent. And if anyone over there um, remembers the Scottish Open of two years ago when Rafa cabrera Bayo won, he won it because Shinquin needed a five on the last hole and took six. Um, and... I think if he'd have won that, he would have just taken off in his career. And I'm waiting for that to happen. Uh, but he qualified for this on a Lynx golf course in a 36-hole qualifier. And he's got so much talent. I could easily see him uh, shooting 68, 69 on day one and, and sticking around for the weekend because he's got a Lynx game, loads of talent. And the other one of a very similar profile, actually, is the South African uh, Zander Lombard. If you go through his form... All of it is by the coast. He's got a couple of really big finishes in the Irish Open. Uh, he's played well in Qatar and in Sicily. And he, he's one of those. He could honestly shoot 285s, but he could shoot 67 on day one quite easily. So those are guys who have risk, but they do have upside. All right. That sounds great, man. All right. So let's move on to our betting segment, sponsored by DallasGolf.com. Shop at Dallas Golf. For all the latest 2019 clubs like the TaylorMade M5 Driver, Callaway Apex 19 Irons, or Odyssey Stroke Lab Putters, use promo code DGEN10 to save 10% off your next purchase, and there's free shipping in the continental United States. Dallas Golf sells you everything you need from tee to green, including clubs, golf balls, golf bags, and range finders. They have a $130 Dallas Golf range finder for budget golfers. Really, really cheap, good uh, good quality golf uh, range finder. Also, Dallas Golf specializes in custom shafts any way you want them. Pick your desired length, grip, and driver tip adapter. Now, you also need to check out Dallas Golf's online shaft fitting tool. This is probably the coolest thing about their site at dallasgolf.com. You put in your club head speed and other different types of stuff around your game, and it spits out the, the, the shaft that will be perfectly suited for the type of game you play. You don't see this anywhere online very often. You have to go to the golf store to get this done. So this is really, really cool stuff from DallasGolf.com. So use promo code DGEN10, save 10% on your next purchase. If you want to buy some really great irons for $2,000 or something like that, that's 
$200 in savings. It's a nice thing to do if you have if you want to shop early for Christmas, do whatever. This is the site for you because the prices are super competitive. Plus, you get a 10% off using promo code DGEN10. All right, so let's get to the betting expert here. Ben, who are your bets for this week? So the top one for me is is Patrick Cantlay. I there's very little I can see that would make him twice the price of John Rahm, which he is over here. He's sort of 33 to 1. He's a bigger price even than Tommy Fleetwood. Now, I'm going to tell you in a minute that I also like Tommy Fleetwood, but I don't understand why Patrick Cantley, the 10th ranked golfer in the world, whose ranking is only going to go one way, uh, would be a bigger price than basically any of those above him apart from Rahm and the big three. Um, so he was, I'm really strong on him. I, I just. I think he's rock solid. I mean, part of this, as we, we discussed each way betting earlier, I think having that confidence that if he, if he finishes up to eighth, we'll get paid out, that does factor into my decision-making. Um, but for me, he's just so solid. And I think his price is basically explained because he's American and because somehow people don't think 12th at Carnoustie last year was very good, but that was his open debut and I thought it was just fine. All right. Tamba, who do you like? Opposite of a lot of my plays, I think it's how it always seems to work out. But there's some some good ones in here. I've got a lot of numbers from earlier on in the season. So uh, I got Bryson at 50 with the each way. I've got Shane Lowry at 50 with the each way. I've got Poulter at 80 with the each way. And then I jumped on Reed at 100 with the each way. The only other one I've got is the Woodland at 125. Uh, with each way, but that's also because I bet them everywhere, and I, that already paid off. So um, happy to hit that one fifty to one at, at the last time out. So if that somehow happens again, you never know with that stinger that he's got. It, it would be incredible, uh, very unlikely, but it would be incredible. But that's what I've got for this week, Kenny. Um, I have Kucher at fifty to one and Kisner at hundred to one from earlier in the year. Uh, I do like Leishman at sixty six to one, uh, Adam Scott at twenty eight to one, and How Tong Lee at 125 to 1. All right, we're going to end it with the one-and-done picks. I will let you know, guys, I'm not going to give out my one-and-done picks for the rest of the season. I'm inside the top 40 uh, in the Gups corner, one-and-done. I don't want to give people an advantage. Uh, so I will not be saying my one-and-done picks for the rest of the season unless I you know, start losing a ton and get out of the top 50 or something like that uh, because I'm trying to win that 20 grand. So let's start with Tambo. Uh, actually, Ben, do you do one-and-done? Hello? I'm in. I'm in the Gups Corner League. I'm afraid. Yeah. Um, okay. I'm, I'm I, in there with you. I, yeah, you're, you're higher up than me. I think I was doing okay, like just outside the top 100 or something. But yeah, uh, I've given up on the top prize. You can have that. All right. Well, who do you like for one and done this week, Ben? Uh, yeah, I'd probably be playing Henrik Stenson for me. He's still uh, still one of my options. Um, I like I said, those 10 open cuts made in a row. I think aside from Cantlay, he just to me looks the player who I feel confident is going to go ahead and produce what I expect him to. I'd, I'd be surprised if he didn't. He's he's trending into perfect form at the right time, isn't he? So Stenson for me, um, but if you're looking for a curveball, then I know Tyler's mentioned him already. Shane Lowry is another that I'm pretty sweet on. I think he's he's got the mentality to to stick around at the business end and maybe be a famous winner of this Claret Jug for Ireland. Tambo. I got nothing left. Uh, I'm sure you're both doing a lot better than me. I know Kenny is, but uh, I'm also afraid that I'm in there because it's sad to look at. But I do have Molinari left. So a guy that uh, you know would have to go back-to-back, -back, which is ex also extremely unlikely. But who knows? Maybe uh, maybe he can get it done. It's sort of a mini hedge because I don't think I'll have as much of him in DFS as some of the other guys in that 9K range. But Molinari is who I'm going to round it out with, Kenny. 
All right. Well, that sounds good because I was thinking about Molinar for my one and done. So now I know to avoid him. Exactly. Uh, okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. All right. So do we, I think, uh, do we miss anything guys? No, thanks to Ben. I mean, right. Ben, you've been incredible. Uh, really appreciate it. Always a fan of your work. I know many of our listeners are as well. And, and I'm so appreciative to have you come on here, man. Thank you so much. Very kind. Yeah, ben, Thank ben, you. ben, this was amazing. This was one of our biggest gets ever. And you performed better than, than I would even imagine. It was an unbelievable podcast with you. So much knowledge drop. Why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you each and every week? Thanks a lot. It's very generous praise of you both. I appreciate it. Um, I'm at Ben Coley Golf on Twitter. You'll have to put up with uh, a bit of politics and other stuff as well, I'm afraid, but you can always hit the mute button if it becomes too much. Um, and at sportinglife.com forward slash golf, I'm heading out to Portrush tomorrow, uh, on Tuesday rather, so um, I'm not entirely sure what I'll be doing, but there'll be a uh, a few things to listen to, a couple of things to watch, and plenty to read over the, the course of the next week. And I can't wait for this. It's going to be a fantastic Open Championship. Whoever does win it, uh, I don't think it really matters. This is a massive deal for Northern Ireland and Nor- Northern Irish golf, and I can't wait to get out there. Tambo, where can you find you? Yeah, gupscorner.com. We mentioned it. Kenny, you talked about the code. DGEN25 is back. Uh, definitely want to use it. Uh, the biggest thing I can say about it is the, obviously the price is ridiculously low for the value that you're getting. And the biggest thing is right now with the annual is you will literally wrap everything because you'll get every major next year, pretty much all the golf you want, the entire NFL season. Uh, it'll all be encompassed into one. So it's literally the best deal out there that you can get. Uh, Gupscorner.com, c- promo code DGEN25. Other than that, find me on Twitter at ToeTag and Tambo. Hit me up if you have any questions for this week. Leave it with you, Kenny. Tambo, aren't you on some a bunch of shows this week? Let, let the listeners know. Yeah, actually, I'm pretty excited. I'm going to be on Mayo tomorrow with Ben Raza and Mayo talking about DraftKings picks for uh, this week, which I'm extremely excited about. Uh, calling in sick to work for it even so I can be up and ready to go on video, etc. Uh, pretty pumped for that. Uh, always been a fan of Mayo, like Ben's stuff as well. So, uh, you know, I'm going to be on there with those guys. Uh, and then Wednesday evening and, and afternoon and whatnot, I'll be on the E9 with Gup and Bucks and whoever else and in the Slack chat over at gupscorner.com. All right. Make sure you check out our sponsors at gupscorner.com. Use promo code DGEN25. Uh, draft.com. Use promo code DGEN. And, of course, dallasgolf.com. You guys got to check out this site. It's an amazing site. Great value. If you're an avid golfer, this might be the only place you need to go to buy all the golfing needs you get. Use promo code DGEN10 for DallasGolf.com. You can find me at KendoVT on Twitter and my article each week on PowerHourPod.com. All right, guys. Great pod this week. Lots of information. Went a little longer, but I think it's definitely worth it. A big week, big major. Let's win some motherfucking money, DGEN Nation. If your preferred climate is business-friendly, check out Ohio. With 0% taxes on corporate income, R&D investments, and goods sold out of state, Ohio is better for business. Because Ohio isn't built for followers. They're building for leaders. Ohioisforleaders.com. Your AC works overtime all summer. So be sure to replace your old air filters with new filtry air filters. They recommend updating HVAC filters at least every three months all year round. So order your filtry air filters today at filtry.com. Let's clear the air. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.